Nobody Comes Here to Hide is a weekly podcast for the people who feel like they aren't seeing themselves or their current position represented in the media right now. The show features in-depth conversations with entrepreneurs, innovators, artists, and creators where hopefully you get a peek into their brain and learn more about the impact they're going to make on this world. Hey, this is the second part of my conversation with Dr. Antonio Harrison. I'm just going to jump right into it. You do not need to listen to the first part in order to understand what we're talking about, Um, but it's great for contextualizing information. Anyhow, let's start this episode. Cacao. Now it's time for the seedling round where short answers, nope, short questions lead to tasty answers. There we go. Ooh, I like it. What is in your self-care toolkit or self-center, well, centering of self toolkit? A journal, mm-hmm. uh, a book, mm-hmm. um, some incense, some water, and some fire. Okay. What scent? Namchanka. Is that, can you describe the season of that? or? Uh... <laughs> uh, it's the traditional uh, Indian incense that you would smell walking inside of any, um, uh, any bodega. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's that smell. It's the blue box. It's that one. Okay. It's the smell everyone knows. <laughs> okay. Another spiritually scientific question. Do you have a formula for contentedness? For contentedness? Yeah. Um, yes, I do. Okay. Uh, don't be so arrogant to assume you know what's going to happen. Mm. I really hear you. And... Yet everything inside me says, no, I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> well, it's, it's why uh, death does not bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't grieve over it and crying for days. Yes, I'm sad that the person's gone, but no matter what religion or what you believe, in all honesty, no one knows what happens when we die. Mm-hmm. It could be the greatest thing ever. It could be the whole reason we're here. It's to die. Um, yeah. So don't assume you know the outcome. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, okay. Well, the outcome, I would say, is different than what will happen. What will happen produces the outcome, though. Yes, this is correct. I guess I'm just thinking, if you're paying enough attention, you can just pick up on the patterns that will give you guesses that are sort of in the sort of right arena is how I feel well, you're, about it. You're speaking my language. Um, I was just sharing with someone like, and sometimes it sounds arrogant or cocky or highly confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, things come really easily to me, whether it be mm-hmm. learning a new skill, playing a sport, school, social interactions. Um, and everybody makes it seem like, oh, you're just good at everything. I know that, no, that's not the case. I'm just really good at at identifying patterns. That's it. There's a Mm -hmm. pattern for everything. And the moment, and I don't find it in a formulaic or mathematical way. I just recognize the pattern. Yeah. Oh, you want to write a paper? Here's how to do it. There's Mm -hmm. a pattern. You want to tell a story? Here's a pattern of how you do that. 
Um, everything has a pattern. Um, and when you can see those things, you can come closer <clears throat> to potentially accurately predicting the outcome. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so it makes it makes things easier to maneuver through. Um, yes. But I never get my heart set on it has to be this way. Mm -hmm. Nope, it's going to be the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I think I think maneuver is the the key word there, where it's really just a matter of how you're going to move through something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's your relationship to fear? To fear, I embrace it. I run towards it. If I'm scared to <clears throat> if I'm scared to do something, it means I probably should. How has that proven true? For me? Yeah. I didn't want to get in front of a camera. But I started doing Doc's Daily Dose. Mm -hmm. And it <clears throat> made me comfortable to be able to now be in front of a camera in a studio on a blue screen while people record me for VR. Mm -hmm. Um I didn't, I didn't want to face the, uh, I was scared of what I was going to become after my knee injury mm -hmm. and scared of the dark hole that I was going into, but I went into it mm -hmm. light and came out on the other side. Um, scared shitless when you find out you have a kid, scary thing. Um, I would imagine. but I go into it head first. Let's do this. Right. Um, now, obviously, just I don't the way they myself... came out of this, came into this world. Right. <laughs> and and now, obviously, I don't do anything to put myself in danger. Um, but it's also, uh, I'll never forget something. My <clears throat> my family's not religious at all. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll never forget something my dad said at ten years old. He was upset with some guy about something, and he was like, you know, going in one of those. Those moods were like, I should have said this to him. And like, you're just venting to the yeah. people around you that love you. And he was going into his very machismo, uh, penitentiary style performance. Um, and he said, even Jesus bled, therefore I fear no man. And I said, holy shit. If this is like that made such an impression on me as a 10 year old saying it's okay for me to be nervous it's never okay for me to be scared there's nothing to be scared about mm -hmm. everyone's the same we all rise and fall the same uh so fear at that point was, i won't say non-existent but didn't control my behavior mm. so it's almost like fear for you is a compass pointing towards growth Yes. I don't always follow it. Sometimes I'm just like, I just don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm scared to, I just don't want to actually do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, again, allow it to dictate how I maneuver. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have control. Interesting. Right. So many people give it so much power. And that's your choice. You've chosen to give it that power. Mm -hmm. Not me. Mm -hmm. Cacao. That concludes the seedling round. Uh, I want to dig into performance, this topic of performance, because specifically from the perspective of um, performance of self to self, I think it's very, I'll speak for myself, it's very easy for me to know when 
um, certain Athenas are performing, Mm -hmm. but what has been difficult is to know when I am by myself, am like, sometimes when I'm by myself, I'm performing for people that aren't there. And I know that, but I wonder if I've, if I'm ever not performing and I wonder if you have similar thoughts or I don't know, an opinion. On such yeah. Uh, um, and it ties in with performance, I guess. Well, I'll take it because when you're performing, mm-hmm. right, you would be wearing a mask. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you're wearing a mask, people ask, is it authentic? Right. Are you, is that really you? Are you being mm-hmm. authentic? And authenticity has been like this big buzzword the last couple of years. And my whole thing is, even in being in, so I, I took you from performance to mass to authenticity. Mm-hmm. So let's go backwards. Even if you're being inauthentic, you're authentic in that moment because that's what you're doing. You can't be anything but authentic. Okay. Even if it's inauthentic, like mm-hmm. it's what's happening, um, which goes back into the mask where once you realize that it's it's not... When, when it's not switching your behavior and you're not doing things that are out of the norm that you would never do that go against your core value system, mask wearing in its true form mm-hmm. is just a matter of language, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> I don't talk to my friends at a barbecue the same way I would talk to an ac- academic at a conference. I don't talk to my mom the same way I talk to my dad. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to you the same way I talk to my children, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that allows me to slide from the barbecue to the boardroom and back down and always feel like me. And it's just a change in my language out of respect for the environment, mm-hmm. right? Which then goes back into performance of, well, then I'm never really putting on a performance. It's always me. And I'm comfortable with being me in all situations, um, if I have a core value system that I follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that all kind of gelled the way I wanted it to, but. So part of what I heard was that for you, authenticity, or mm, maybe the issue. I don't know. I'm just using words at this point. Maybe the thing that people are grasping to when they're talking about authenticity is the origin, or perhaps it's that they're not looking at the origin because what you're saying is like authentic, it's authentic because that is what's currently happening. Yeah. And I think when people are talking about authenticity, they're looking at it from like almost a center with spores. Yep. Is it, what's your intention, right? What's the, Um, is this the real you? Uh, is this who you actually are? Are you putting on a performance for those around you? Um, here's the thing. It comes with time and growth. Mm -hmm. Like think about all the, all the rules that are placed on you the moment you're born about what you're supposed to be, who you are, how you look. Right. Um, if we really wanted to dig deep into it, then is anybody ever authentic? Ever? Mm-hmm. Everything you have has been shaped by what you've been presented. That's it. 
Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even, you can say, well, I dress this way that's eccentric away from the social norms. Yeah, Still because relative. there's a social norm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think when you start concerning yourself too much about like, am I being authentic? Is it? That's when you start to lose yourself because now you're second guessing everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to saying, this is who I am and I'm here now. Mm-hmm. But also knowing like, I'm going to be respectful. I'm not going to say certain things in certain arenas around certain people. Right. Mm-hmm. When did your values become explicit to you? One day, I want to say maybe three years ago, four years ago. No, yeah, because my youngest, and it was like three years ago. I was really unhappy really unhappy um with just everything and i went in to i had been out in my man cave drinking and like came inside lay down in the bed and around two in the morning i sat up and just sat on the edge of the bed and my wife like woke up and was like what's going on what's wrong and i was like i'm not happy i have to leave mm-hmm. and i literally got an apartment two miles away I paid for my apartment plus the house here. I had my kids four nights a week and she had them three. And for a year, I separated from my wife because mm. I, things weren't right. Something wasn't right. Um, and it was sitting in that apartment alone in a studio apartment as a grown man with three children. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I got locked into my core values which brought me back home, brought my marriage back together in a way better way and allowed me to continue to be a great father Mm -hmm. Um, and then start doing some other cool stuff. But before that, I thought I was, oh, you know, because I started meditating and tapping into Eastern philosophy and reading in my spiritual journey that like, oh, I'm, I know who I am now. And like, no, I hadn't. It was, it was, uh, it was just another shield I put up. Mm-hmm. Around how old were you? I think I was 33, mm-hmm. 32. Mm-hmm. That's always the age, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But I knew if I stayed home, it wasn't going to be good for anyone. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. May I ask what your core values are? Yeah. Um, Love, family, mm-hmm. discipline, mm-hmm. peace with self, creativity. That's it. Very interesting. I love to hear other people's core because it shows it shows a lot about the way that they think, honestly. Because there are certain things where like Um, The way that I've defined my values, some of the things that you said are encompassed in one of them, but I would not, not that I wouldn't use the word creativity, but like, it would not be the, the umbrella. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's very interesting. Yeah. And and I like to use them that way because creativity allows me as an umbrella to do all kinds of things, whether it be, I'm going to paint today, 
I'm going to take pallets and tear them apart and try to build a bench, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, I'm going to start a new podcast. I'm going to, you know, whatever it may be. Or I'm going to take a different route home from the studio when driving. Yeah. Let's just take the streets today and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my values is humor. Nice. Uh, and it comes in like there's joy, there's laughter, but also cosmic or appreciation for cosmic jokes and contradictions. <laughs> and that that is partially like a connection to some sort of higher mm-hmm. whatever, but also a connection to myself and like understanding that this ego is a separate thing from the like who's when you're looking in the mirror who's seeing through the eyes yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean no i mean it, uh point to where your ego is mm-hmm. right like um i am not a believer in the id super id ego all none of that mm-hmm. i don't i don't um i just think it's uh goes back to inflated talk of self that's it Mm -hmm. um we all want to believe we're important right yes Um, it would suck to be like i'm not important right like that's Uh a hard way to live yeah um but in the grand scheme of things we're flashing the pan like does that mean we're not important i don't know but I'm important to somebody, mm-hmm. very important to my kids, very important to my wife, very important to my football players, very important to my students. Um, and that was a hard one for me because I used to do stuff wanting everybody to make me feel important. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, uh, the people who matter, matter. I don't need everybody. Yeah. Do you think that is a, an affliction of youth? to to need everybody i think it is but more so now because of social media i hate to sound like the old guy right Uh like all the social media but i see kids doing things for likes Mm -hmm. and how much their self-esteem is wrapped up in likes and it's frightening Mm -hmm. um if I had a daughter who did some of the stuff these young girls put them put on social media, mm-hmm. like that would really hurt me. Um, just doing it. And they're saying, ah, it's just because I, I love myself. And like, you don't need to do all that to love yourself. You're asking mm-hmm. for love from strangers in the form of likes to make yourself feel validated. Mm-hmm. And I see guys doing it as well. Um, and it, that's a tough thing to grow up in. I, I'm glad I didn't grow up in a social media era. I'm super glad I didn't. Yeah. 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 It feels, yeah. I think my generation, maybe like one or two years younger, we just barely um, reached the like end stages of puberty before it really became ubiquitous in the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel very grateful for. Sometimes you just got to be really grateful that I have to be very grateful that I exist in the time of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also existed for just a little bit of time um, pre-internet too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, and it makes things hard. Like 
this summer I was really making sure one of my boys um, could have all of his multiplication tables, zero through 12. Mm-hmm. But there was zero motivation because I can just ask Google yeah. to figure it out for me. And like, I get it. Why put in all this high response effort for something that you don't see the immediate reward for, like when I can just go and get instant gratification. Um, so it's, it's a, that, that's a tough thing to deal with. And then going back to your point about things being so addictive and structured and built that way. Mm -hmm. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I've got social media apps, especially with the stuff I do. Like a lot of my VR work, I have to court, like engage with consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, I downloaded TikTok and like the first day I was on it, I looked up and like 90 minutes had passed and I was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> this has got to go. Uh-huh. This has got, and, and it's built around nothing longer than 60 seconds and most of them 15 or 30. So like, yeah, you're just, you're there. You're just sucked into it. And I was like, yeah, I could see a 12 year old spending their entire day on this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes back to my uh, avoiding temptation rather than resisting. I I know, I already know I would love Twitter. I would love it. And I have, I had a Twitter account for two weeks and then I was like, we got to, we got to ship this. We got to. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you though. <laughs> this, this will not work. Um, yeah. Very. Yes so much to observe <laughs> like so much to observe yeah well see and one of the interesting things to me about this time is if you weren't self-aware and putting in work on self before covid hit mm-hmm. you're having a hard time during quarantine um if you're going to be in loan you better be in good company so uh if you don't love yourself and aren't comfortable with yourself solo this is a difficult difficult time now Definitely. it's still difficult for me in terms of like I'm a people person. I like hugs. I like seeing people, meeting strangers, having conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I've put in the work enough work, it allows me to be able to maneuver through this without. It's just an inconvenience. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I feel that. Going back to what you were saying about the the multiplication table and um, essentially planting a seed that's not going to gratify you right away that it is there's something to be said for learning to work hard and having like valuing the ability to do it even when you don't have to um first for so many reasons i'm sure many of them are obvious but like discipline for instance is something that i would say luckily enough i was like born into Um, but the challenge came when I got to college and the discipline was no longer something that was an external force. Like Mm -hmm. it's so much easier. I think this is a more relatable, um, example, but it's so much easier to push yourself when you're working out, when someone is telling you, can you do one more, you know, but are you going to ask yourself that? Like, not unless you're highly deliberate that you must ask yourself, you know? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people, the reason, or I don't know, a lot of people are struggling on that emotional psychological level because they've 
they haven't for years or ever um, sat. Just like you were saying with the waiting room. Like, yeah. At some point, social media and YouTube and Netflix is like, you're going to be tired of it. I mean, I think a lot of people reached that maybe like two months in where they were like, there's nothing that I want to watch anymore. Like, none of this means anything to me. Well, so now what? Well, and the good thing about all of this is it's forcing people to learn how to be bored. Mm-hmm. Boredom is a thing. It's There's a reason it's a word. Um, and if you can't be, like, it's one of the things I see with young kids, like, they don't know how to be bored. Like, that's when you get into some of your most creative shit. Mm-hmm. is when you're super bored um and the other part of it too with like mentioning how you mentioned the hard work and the work ethic part of the multiplication tables you come to contact success you know how happy my son was that he was able to rattle them off finally and like he went through this process of like trying to learn it getting stuff wrong having to redo stuff and just dreading it and like to be able to rip through them now his confidence level is boosted Mm-hmm. And now he says, I can do this. I can, which will lead to when he tackles something else new, new concept. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I've had, I got this experience in my bag, right? Mm-hmm. I can pull this out. I can do this. I got it. Um, right. Going back to that self-talk again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's so much internal work that is necessary and also perpetual, um, and not at all talked about, or not no. not at all, but certainly not ubiquitous. And I and I try to instill that. Um, I plant those seeds for everyone I meet, and I deliberately plant those seeds for my kids every night before they go to bed. What does that look like? And every day before they went to school. Um, mm-hmm. So when going to school, each one of them I do separately. I grab their hand and I have them look into look at me and we were I have them repeat with me at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm smart, I'm kind, I'm important, I'm a hard, I'm a good leader, I'm a hard worker, and I'm loving. Mm-hmm. And I say, go have a great day. Love you. Um uh, and then at night, as they're all laying in their bed, they all sleep in one room in a triple bunk bed. Um I ask each one individually, what are you thankful for today? Be anything. I'm thankful that I got a, you know, my favorite fruit loop or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I ask each one of them what do they love about themselves today? And then I tell them what I'm thankful for, what I loved, a specific action they did in that day mm-hmm. that I love about each one of them, their mom, and then myself. Mm-hmm. And then I have them repeat after me, the inner reality creates the outer form. The universe bears no ill will to me. I bear no ill will to it. And I become what I think about. And then I say, good night, love you, give them a kiss, and I walk out the door. Mm-hmm. But those words will ring into their ears every day because I want them, I truly believe it. And it's one of the few things I want to deliberately pass on to my children. Mm-hmm. When did you start that practice, those practices? Um, when my, I want to say about, it was right around the time I first left. So I started that when they would sleep in my place four nights out of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would call them when they were at their mom's mm-hmm. the other three nights. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that was me trying to compensate for not being home mm-hmm. um, and still showing love to them. Um, but also it was deliberate like planting of seeds to say your greatness lies within you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're programming them. Right? Yeah. We're going to program. Let's program some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I recently learned the term pronoia, which I'm really into. Um, it's the opposite of paranoia, which is to say you believe the universe is secretly conspiring um, for your benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, when you are in tune to that, mm-hmm. you see it in a positive way. And even all things that happen that are art negative, you see as a direction to push you somewhere. And when you're not in tune to that, you just feel like the world's happening to you. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot more of the negative instead of the positive. Mm-hmm. So then you believe in the effectiveness of affirmation? Question mark. Real affirmations. What does that mean? Not, conf- not inflated affirmations of... Um, right so like the affirmations I tell the kids the inner reality creates the outer form that's real to me mm-hmm. um, I become what I think about right as opposed to like I'm this brilliant millionaire mm-hmm. right like the whole secret thing right um, I put things in place that allow you to to be proactive, right? Someone, that's the problem with some of these things is people think like, oh, I have to do is continue to repeat to myself and act as if I have and and say that I'm a millionaire. Like, yeah, but you still have to get your ass off the couch and go do something, Mm -hmm. right? So you can say I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, or you can say, I strive to be the best I can possibly be, Mm -hmm. right? I give myself, that's real to me. It's not inflated. It goes back to our conversation on goals mm-hmm. of not setting or not focusing on the outcome, but the things that will, the conditions that will create the outcome. Yep. Got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, what is your greatest ambition? <sighs> um. In a in the in the physical or material world, my greatest ambition uh, is to own a huge plot of land where I use shipping containers, wood, and hemp, concrete, solar power to build little houses all over the property for any family and friends who want to move on the land with me, and just have this beautiful. I don't want to call it a community. But just like this beautiful place we can all be where it's nothing but love and may not see you all week, but every Sunday we all come together for barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my internal, in terms of like what my ambition is uh, ensuring my, my kids, my hope that my children stay in contact with each other as adults. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. I just want them to love each other, to be around each other, to have family barbecues. Um, 
to be in each other's lives, not, you know, oh, I haven't talked to my brother in like a year. What? Mm -hmm. Right. Like I just told them the other day, like, uh, cause my middle son's birthday is about to come up. And I was like, you guys make sure that no matter where you are in the world, anytime it's your brother's birthday, you speak to your brother, not a text message, happy birthday, mm -hmm. pick up the phone and call. Mm -hmm. um, so those are my only two like real big ambitions, I guess. I, I'll end it here. Okay. Um, oh, no. I, what is Doc's Daily Dose? What do you talk about? What do you do? So it used to be Doc's Daily Dose for dads. Mm -hmm. And it was short three to five minute clips of parenting advice for fathers. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in the parenting advice world, the consumer is women. It's not dads. Dads aren't buying the parenting books off the shelf. Mm -hmm. Women are. Moms are. Um, so though people were watching, dads kind of had that like, I know how to raise my kid. I don't need advice from anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but I did a video every single day for like 170 days or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but then I pushed it to the side because I was like, no one cares. No one cares um, as opposed to doing it. And this was years ago, as opposed to doing it because I wanted to, I was doing it to make my brand bigger of who I was. Yeah. Um, but I miss it, but not so much the parenting side of it. I miss the sharing of me and the storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I've taken out the four dads and just, I'm going to bring it back just as Doc's Daily Dose where every day, two to four minute clip on anything I want, anything, mm -hmm. right? It may be something about positive affirmations, maybe something about meditation, maybe it's something about health and fitness, maybe it's something on nutrition, maybe it's just a story of something funny that happened today or 16 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, whatever I want it to be. I enjoy being in front of a microphone and telling stories as a communicator. Um, so if I like it, I'm gonna do it. Mm -hmm. But this time, the followers aren't in the driving seat. Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I hard relate to this. Um, well, specifically, uh, enjoying talking. <laughs> yes. I can talk all day. <laughs> yeah. Something that I'm personally dealing with. And that, honestly, it all ties back into everything we've said already. But there's this concept of personal branding that I think is hindering. I'm only going to speak for myself, though I believe this is a generalization that I could make. It's hindering my ability to move. Yeah. Um, much less than it could be. Like, I'm still moving, but constantly what's happening is before I can even... Uh, what is that word? Not physicate, because I know that's not, a, I know I made that up. Um, fabricate, before I can even fabricate whatever small seed is in my brain, there's already a filter that says, can it be branded? Yeah. And that's really agitating me. And I don't really know how to move past it other than to just keep trying to just do things without regard. For, well, but like, I don't know. maybe this will help and you might have to experience it yourself, but mm -hmm. um, 
one of the big flaws of branding is once you do it, you can't be anything else. Yeah. Because the moment you become something and you don't allow yourself the freedom to be all the things you are, mm -hmm. that fan base that you built up from your brand, the moment you go left into a different direction, they're gone like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it pigeonholds you into this thing when you're so many things. Mm -hmm. And for me, I used to get so pissed off. I, like I was like, I'm putting out great advice, good content that's actually backed by science, but I'm telling it in a way that everyone can understand and it's relatable. Mm -hmm. um, I'm having like, no one's watching, no one cares. My sister is not even listening to my podcast, but she will watch like the most ratchet, you know, stuff mm -hmm. on TV and like be all about, I'm like, what, like what? Um, or like ask for parenting advice on Facebook. I'm like, your brother has a PhD and is putting out parenting <laughs> advice videos. Like, right. Um, and my dad said something to me and he was like, you got to just get after yours because unfortunately in the world we live in, people tend not to listen to you or start to follow you unless you have the universal things that other people want, the material mm -hmm. things, whether it be the physical structure body or the money or the cars, then all of a sudden people start clamoring to come and listen to you. And I was like, yeah, I know what you mean, dad, but like, well, that sucks. Like, I guess I just got to get after money then. And like, then I can come back to doing that. And, mm -hmm. but I kept doing my thing, but where to, to make this long story short, where it really happened for me, where all that came into fruition and, and recognizing to be able to say like, my brand is just whatever I am. And it's always going to be all encompassing me is when I started doing the virtual reality fitness coaching, mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen with it. Like, you know, like, where's it going to go? Yeah. It has built a community in the US, in the UK, they're going to release in Europe. People who use this, this service love it. And they love me in it for what I do as one of the coaches that's different. All each coach kind of has their own thing. And I'm more the motivator, positive affirmation guy. Mm -hmm. I see me as me, they see me as celebrity. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my growth of followers is bigger and bigger. And the things I say and all those videos I did are starting to get looked at and viewed. And like, now people are listening. Mm -hmm. But before that status, no one cared. Mm -hmm. um, but because I went through that, when I got that status, and I put those in air quotes, because I still like it's baffling to me that I'm seen that way in some circles. Mm -hmm. But because I, I went through that process, now that I have that status, it doesn't uh, distort my reality of the situation. Yeah. And I think where the issue is, is um, right now with the age of influencers, the concept is brand your personality instead of using your personality as leverage for a brand. Yep. Oy. 
And even just saying, like, trying to, like, piece that together as a sentence is deliberate work. And so trying to enact it is, is a fucking puzzle, brain puzzle. Do you know who Black Star is? No. Most Deaf, Taleb Kweli. You know who Most Deaf is? Yeah. So Most Deaf, they, it was a hip-hop documentary, and him and Taleb Kweli were talking about what they were doing when they first started out. And he said... You know, um, we were in the driver's seat. We were the engine. We weren't focused on whether or not others liked it or if money was involved. He's like, money was in the passenger seat. Like, well, you need the window rolled down. You want me to pull over and stop? You need something? Like, we listened about that, but we just did things that were dope to us Mm -hmm. and could care less. It was like, if it's dope to us, it's worth doing and we're going to do it. And I was just like, that's one, that's just such a great way to be. Like, if you're doing this podcast and it's dope to you, doesn't matter if you have one listen or one million listeners, because it's something you're enjoying. So be about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of how this podcast is existing right now. Um. And who knows, you may look back and end up doing something where you're on TV doing some sort of announcing or something behind a microphone and oh, Athena's old podcast pulled out of the archives mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it's a thing, a, like a, a universal, a global thing. Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? I would hope to keep this going until my last breath. <laughs> That'd be dope. That'd be so many people to talk to. I just, I'm also a people person, so I'm very much like, this has been a nice um, method of being social during quarantine. Um, and also, there's just so many things to learn from everyone. Yeah. So it's really worth talking. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. What was that? What's up with that? Um, well, there's actually like a thing it's called Hapa, Hapa Ono or something like that. It's a Hawaiian ancient tradition, which I was unaware of. Mm-hmm. Um, they have thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But it's centered around the idea of uh, doing a documentary um, around my football injury because I was freshman athlete of the year for the entire college. I was a defensive rookie MVP, two-time all-conference. And when I had surgery, which was a horrible, horrible experience, I was in a medically induced coma in the hospital for three days. I was only 35 minutes away from campus out of a 60 team roster with like 12 coaches. Mm -hmm. One person came to visit me. Um, And that was my defensive end, Waylon Woods, good friend of mine. And I had so much anger and resentment around that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I feel like people say the words, thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. So often, but many times we don't say them to the people we actually need to. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to say thank you to that guy in person. I wanted to say I love you to my physical, uh, to my athletic trainer who got me through mentally and psychologically. And I'm sorry to my football coach for holding such resentment. Mm -hmm. But that got put on the back burner. I didn't do it. And then um, I was looking for a podcast to do and I thought about doing this. And so I asked people to send in letters in one of those sentiments or a combination of the three. Mm-hmm. And it can be vague or specific. You can name names or keep it anonymous. 
but to put it out on paper. Mm-hmm. And we got like 34, 35 letters. And then I would come on and I would just read them. Mm-hmm. No commentary. I would just read the letter and close it out. So all the episodes are like anywhere from 30 seconds to 10 minutes. Some people had really long letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. all it was, just reading those letters. And it's been interesting to see how many people connect to other people's stories um, and other people's feelings surrounding thank you, I love you, and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So I hope that it would, I, I was hoping that it would become a bigger thing than it was, but I got 35. Yeah. Um, but there aren't any more that, con- that have been coming in. Um, but anytime one does come in, I hop on and record it. So it, it'll stay there until, you know, uh, Anchor or, you know, Google Play or Apple iPod podcast is like, oh, you haven't put up enough content. We're taking it down. Yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. This time for real. I'm going to go. What is a question? What's the question of the week? Question of the week? Yeah. If you strip away every categorized label that you are given in this world, mom, dad, brother, sister, you know, uh, podcaster, mm-hmm. once you strip all those away, who are you? It's question of the week. Cool. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I really enjoyed this. I like what you're doing, Athena. Thanks. I'm doing my freaking best. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep it all together, man. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. Um, do you w- want people to find you in, on the internet? Sure. Uh, you can, it, all of my social media is at one, like spelled out O-N-E, one coach doc, D-O-C. One coach doc. Great. What a pleasure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> right, a lot of information. Yeah, that's a really great question. I would say my favorite question thus far. Good. I love it. Yeah, great. And here we are. The conclusion of the Dr. Antonio Harrison saga. What a fun time it was. Here are my three favorite takeaways from this part of the episode boredom breeds creativity your inner reality creates the outer reality and do things that are dope to you and if it's worth doing to you keep going regardless of money or acclaim or status beautiful so much wisdom over the course of these past two episodes um really an incredible conversation. I had a lot of fun and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. As usual, please rate and review the show. It helps and I love to read the reviews. They're so nice. I guess you could also leave me a bad review. I would learn something from it. I can't say I would love to read it. You know, just to be safe, you should just rate five stars and leave me a lovely review. (laughs) Okay, see you in the next episode.